We'll grab your Bibles this morning and turn to the Gospel of John. If you don't know where that is, it's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is where we will be this morning. And we will be in John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. When you get to John chapter 20, look to whoever is next to you or in the reflection of yourself on whatever screen you're watching this on and say, Jesus. All right. Follow along and have your eyes on Scripture. John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken our Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stopping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came, following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. And then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes. Verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stopped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, If you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, happy Easter, Westside. He is risen, and he is risen indeed. Hey, if you're watching this um, in real time, we are worshiping over at the Rogers Theater and celebrating the most historic event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ at Popper Bluff's historic Rogers Theater. But if you weren't able to worship with us at the Rogers, we wanted to provide you with this online experience on this Easter Sunday. So wherever this finds you, in real time and in real space, what matters is the good news of Jesus Christ is that he is not dead, but he is risen. Listen, this is everything that our faith hinges on. This is what it's all about. As one author said, Easter proves that Christmas was true, if you will. Like, like I don't even have the words to communicate to you how important this is. And as a matter of fact, um, another guy 
by the name of J.R.R. Tolkien actually was in the same predicament. This is the guy that uh, wrote and gave us the Lord of the Rings. He actually invented a word to describe what the resurrection is. Are you ready for this? Um, it's the word eucatastrophe. Isn't that? That's, I mean, you thought mayonnaise was a big word, okay? Eucatastrophe is a big word. Can you say it with me right where you're at? Ready? One, two, three. Eucatastrophe. And this is what a eucatastrophe is. The sudden, happy turn in a story which pierces you with a joy that brings tears. Oh, come on, J.R.R. That, that's a word right there. A eucatastrophe is a sudden, happy turn in a story. This is what he says. I coined the word eucatastrophe, the sudden, happy turn in a story, which pierces you with a joy that brings tears. And I argue that it's the highest function in any story. And I concluded by saying that the resurrection is the greatest eucatastrophe possible in the greatest story because it produces that essential emotion, Christian joy, which produces tears. Listen, that's what the resurrection is. Because you see, in this story and in John's account, it's the turn. Because it was Good Friday. Jesus' body was laid in the tomb. Mary Magdalene, the last vision that she saw of Jesus was his marred body getting wrapped up in those linen cloths and laid in the tomb. And we have her coming to the tomb weeping. But by the end of these verses, she is running out to the disciples saying, I have seen the Lord. That it's literally a eucatastrophe. Because you see in God's story, the resurrection, well, I love the way that the Clement of Alexander says, Christ now has turned all of our sunsets into dawns. You see, because we thought that it was the end of the story, but God wasn't done with the story. It's not a sunset. It's a sunrise. You see, listen, we've been talking and saying this, that the Easter story is so powerful, that the Easter story starts at a grave, but literally it's so powerful that it turns that grave into a garden. You see, here's, here's what it's about. The Easter event is not just something to know. You see, Easter is an event to experience. That's what this is about. It's not just something to know that today what we celebrate is not just something that we do because we've always done it. Oh my goodness, no. Easter is an event to an experience. And now, why don't we experience that? I think the reality is, is that when we describe eucatastrophe and Christ has turned all of our sunsets into a sunrise, that sounds great. But man, in light of this past year, in light of a pandemic, in light of racial hostility, in light of everything, the last thing that you would say is, my life is so joyous that I had to invent a new word. That's how joyous I am. 
You see, I think the reality is, is that we don't experience this Easter power. Why? I think there's a number of reasons. I think the first one's an honest one. We don't experience Easter because we have doubts. And listen, that's okay. If you have doubts, if you're of a logical mind, if you're somebody who's wrestling with these events and asking this question, is this historically reliable? Please listen to me. Then you are on a good path. You're on a good path. Listen, Christianity has satisfied some of the greatest minds that the world has ever seen. Don't stop with those doubts. Listen, there's a a difference between doubt and unbelief. You see, doubt wants to believe, but it just doesn't have enough evidence yet. You see, unbelief refuses to believe despite the evidence. So if you're somebody who goes, you know, Pastor Jason, I, I want to believe. I just have some doubts. That's okay. Listen, take your doubts to Jesus. But I think a majority of us, and if you're watching this in in Butler County, I think the reason why we don't experience Easter is because we've relied on our grandmother's faith. Now, maybe you're, you're listening to this somewhere else and you're like, that sentence doesn't really strike home. But if you're in our part of the country, it does in the Bible Belt. Because you see, today, everybody celebrates today. You're going to go over to somebody's house and you're going to have the Easter egg hunt. You're going to eat uh, the Easter lunch or the Easter dinner. And then maybe you can remember always getting the dress or always getting the suit. Not as fly as this one. But anyway, that's a different story. And, and, And you always did that thing because that's what grandma did. And listen, praise God for your grandma. Praise God for your Mimi, Boo Boo, Gaga, whatever her name is. But listen. It's not about relying on and experiencing somebody else's faith. You see, if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, this has to be your faith. If He rose from the dead, He rose for a relationship with you. So you can't rely on somebody else's faith when it comes to this. But the last thing is this. We don't experience Easter because maybe we just don't know how. Maybe we just don't know how to experience it. And that's what I want to look at with these verses. The verses that were read to you, I want to zone in on verses 11 through 18. And so listen, wherever you're at, I want you to have your Bible with you. John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. And I think with these verses, if we come to these verses asking this question, how can we experience Easter? I think there's a number of things here because in the passage, we see that Mary Magdalene almost misses it. You see, there's this one verse there in verse 14. It says this, she said to them, they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. And verse 14 says this, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. That literally Mary Magdalene herself almost missed the Easter experience. So, If Easter is not just something to know, but an event to experience, how do we do that? Well, I think the first thing is this. We need right expectations. We got to have right expectations. I love the way that the Oxford English Dictionary defines expectation. It says this, an expectation is a strong belief about the way that something should happen or how somebody should behave. That's a good definition, right? 
An expectation is a strong belief as the way in which something should happen or how somebody should behave. Better known as marriage or parenting? No, that's a different sermon. Okay, but listen, everybody has an expectation because our expectations determine our experience. And the reality is in the text, Mary had an expectation as to how it was going to go. And she did not expect for that tomb to be open and the body not to be there. Because she says twice in the text, I mean, did you see it? Verse 2, she runs back and says, we don't know where they've laid him. And then verse 13, they've taken away my Lord. She's in such a panic, like who's the they? They've taken him. Who's the they? It's almost like when you were in school and you lost your pencil and you're like, somebody stole my pencil. Nobody stole your pencil, okay? Nobody stole Nobody stole your book. All right, you just lost it, okay? You're in a panic. And, and she had an expectation. And listen, far from her expectation was the fact that that morning when she went to the grave, what's she doing there that morning? She's literally going to pay her respects. She's going there expecting for the tomb to be closed. Maybe she laid, was going to lay flowers there. What was she going to do? But one thing we do know is that she did not expect for that stone to be rolled away. But think about it. Mary Magdalene would have been there when Jesus was teaching about his mission. Mary Magdalene would have heard Jesus say these words recorded in Luke's gospel. Jesus literally taught his disciples what was going to happen. Jesus saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day that be raised. Like Jesus literally said that this was going to happen. But interesting that they heard Jesus teach that. But in a way... It's almost like they had their own expectations for Jesus. Oh, now we're preaching. You see, now we're on to it. You see, I think you and I have our own expectations for Jesus. That we have an assumption or strong belief as to how he should work in our life. And the reality is, is that you have to lay your expectations down. And we have to have right expectations. And when that happens... When that happens, something extraordinary happens. Um, a couple of years back, my family and I had the opportunity to go to Disney World. And this is a picture of us here in front of the castle, or as Piper would say, Mickey's house. We got to go to Mickey's house. We saved up for a couple years, my wife planned, and we made the trip happen. Now, there's one thing that you need to know about me is um, I traveled a lot. My dad spoke in a number of places but it was never like a big family vacation. My dad always preached somewhere. So like my wife, whenever we got married, that's one of the things that she's teaching me to do well is to like learn how to vacation. And so my wife said to me, hey, we're going to stay on the resort. Because I told her, listen, if we're doing Disney, we're not cutting coupons. We're doing this thing. Okay, if I'm going to Mickey's house, I'm balling out of control. All right, we're going to make this happen. So she said, we can stay at the park. So here's what my expectation was. I thought if we were going to stay on the grounds of the park, I thought I would wake up in the morning with my cup of coffee, like walk out of my hotel and like there's the castle. I was like, if we're staying on the park, we're like staying on the park. Um, did you know this? 
Did you know that Disney World has its own zip code? That's how big it is. So like when you stay on the park, it's a 15 minute bus ride to the castle. That's like how big this place is. Here's what I'm trying to say. I had my own expectations as to how this vacation was going to go. And in reality, Disney blew me away. It was a lot bigger than my expectations. What if, what if Jesus is actually bigger than you could ever imagine or expect? What if Jesus is is better? What if he's better? What if he's bigger than you have ever imagined or expected? And listen, I think we can experience Easter when we lay our expectations down and we come to him rightly. The second thing that I see is this. We not only need right expectations, but we need real honesty. We need real honesty. If you noticed in the text, the word weep or weeping is used four times in these verses. And and, and the word weep or weeping actually is better translated to wail or shout. It's it's literally sobbing uncontrollably. So in verse 11, but Mary stood, and by the way, that word stood means that that she's not going anywhere, right? Almost think, think about like a parent, like a mama next to a hospital bed with a sick child. Like um, the term visiting hours don't apply to them, okay? Like, like I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. And she's there and she's weeping. The word means that it's to wail or shout any loud expression of pain and sorrow. And and she's asked multiple times, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? The text wants us to know that Mary had real emotions. You know why? Because her whole world was falling apart. Everything, every hope, every dream, every expectation has been shattered. What was she experiencing? Heartache? Grief, pain, trauma after what she saw, what happened to Jesus. Now what's going to happen to his followers if they did that? I mean, she is experiencing real pain and she's really honest about it. She's really honest about it. Um, Just recently, the most streamed TV show in the world and of all time, as of right now, you can Google me on this, Um, is Marvel's WandaVision. Have you checked this out? Pretty cool show. Um, And listen, I think there's a profound reason why this show is literally the most streamed show on the internet right now. Um, Really, and spoiler alert, okay, um, it's a show about trauma. It's a show about pain. Because you see, um, Wanda has experienced deep pain. And so what she's done is, is, is she's created her own town. She, she's created her own reality, Westview. 
And she's created her own reality. And the more and more that people try to press in to her pain and trauma, she creates this dome in the show. It's literally a force field that she does not let anybody in. And if anybody tries to get in, she expands it and she makes it stronger. Why do we connect with this show? Because over a past year of a pandemic... A lot of us have experienced trauma and pain and grief, and we don't know how to express it. We don't know what to do with it. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to keep anybody and everything out. And the reality is, is I think that we're a lot like, we're a lot more like Wanda than we are Mary Magdalene. Oh, Mary Magdalene can teach us so much. Why is it so important for real honesty? Because this, Jesus meets us where we are, not where we pretend to be. Listen, the resurrection morning begins at dark. It begins in the shadow of the cross. Mary is honest where she's at. She's weeping. Her world is devastated. And Christ meets her in the brokenness. Listen, Jesus only meets us where we're at. So I have a question for you on this Easter Sunday. God forbid, right where we're at, that you would be honest. And that you would say, my world's falling apart. I'm not okay. I'm just simply not okay. Because if we want to experience Easter... We've got to be honest with ourselves, but I know what the reality is. We feel like there's so much at stake if we're honest. If we're truly honest about where we're at, we feel like, A, I'm not going to be loved, or there's going to be real consequences to this. And the deep fear is that if I'm really honest, I'm not going to be really loved. Oh, but that's where the third thing comes in. The last thing that I see is this is we need radical grace. If there's anything that Mary Magdalene can teach us in this story, is that when we experience Easter, we experience radical grace. And that's where you have to know about Mary Magdalene. We learn more about her in Scripture. You see, earlier in Luke's Gospel, we learn this about Mary Magdalene. Soon afterward, Jesus went through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with Him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out of. That phrase, seven demons, is almost like a legion. Many demons had gone out of her. Um, It is recorded in church history that Mary Magdalene was more than likely a woman of the night, a prostitute. Now think about this. The first person, oh, don't miss this. The first person, person to ever experience a eucatastrophe. The greatest joy in the world is a woman who in Middle Eastern culture at the time, whose opinion wouldn't even stand up in court, who was already considered an outcast, a woman who was a prostitute, who had been oppressed by demons and who probably had experienced mental illness at one point in her life 
is the first person that God chooses to reveal the resurrected Son of God to. Oh my goodness, this is good news. Why is this good news? Because if God invited Mary Magdalene into his story, he can invite you right now, today, right where you're at. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care who you are. I don't care how well you think you've got it all together. The reality is, is we need real radical grace. And do you know when we experience that grace? Is when we hear Jesus say our name. You see, Mary didn't know who He was. And then verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to Him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. There was something about when she heard that voice say her name. And do you know what I believe? I believe that today, through the power of God's Word and through the power of His Holy Spirit, that He calls you by name. Wherever you are, wherever you're watching this, that God loves you and that God has a plan and a purpose for you. And ultimately, that's for you to experience this eucatastrophe, this great joy. What's required of us? Well, the first thing for us is to have right expectations, to lay our wrong expectations at the feet of Jesus. And for us to have real honesty and to say, this is where I'm really at. And then for us to have real radical grace. Just right where you're at today, if you've never experienced the love of Jesus Christ, if you've never just been honest with God and said, God, this is where I'm at right now, I want you just right where you're at just to bow your head and to listen to these words and just pray this prayer with me. Listen, this prayer doesn't save you. This prayer is not magic. Jesus saves you. And I believe that Jesus is meeting with you right wherever you're at. And if you want to experience His love, just right where you are, repeat this after me. Say, Dear God, I am a sinner. And I've had wrong expectations. And today, I lay them down at Your feet. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus, call my name. Amen. Listen, we believe that by the grace of God and by the power of His Word that He can meet you right where you're at. And if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, what we would love for you to do is message us right here on our Facebook page. Reach out. We want to connect with you. We want to get some resources in your hand, and we want to walk with you in this journey. But one thing is true, that today, today is a eucatastrophe, that it is so awesome and so great that God can take dead things and make them alive again. Westside, we love you, for He is risen, and He is risen indeed. Amen.